Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost. This week's question comes from kind of a big deal, and she says, As I've moved through my 20s, I felt this mounting sense that I'm supposed to do something important in life. For example, someday become a Brene Brown in my field. But then immediately I think, what kind of person thinks that they are that much better, smarter, faster, whatever, than all the other people on earth living equally important lives? Brene Brown probably never thought she'd become a Brene Brown. She just did the work and then it happened. In short, I think, who the hell do you think you are? I'm wondering if other people struggle with this battle in their minds and if you or my chart have any insight of how to hold this tension without sliding towards either self-limiting thoughts and actions or megalomania and general assholery. This is such a great question. Thank you so much, kind of a big deal, for sending it. And she was born September 1st, 1992, 9.41 a.m. in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So, Before we get into the astrology of anything, I want to say that there are absolutely some people who think I want to be a big deal and I want to be important and powerful and popular and all those things, famous, whatever it is. That's what they center. And then they become famous or popular or powerful or whatever, right? You can become powerful and famous without being an expert, in a thing. But let's talk about your example of Brene Brown. You could have chosen anyone. We have a huge culture of fame and notoriety right now, right? You could have chosen anyone. You chose a researcher. You chose a social worker. You chose somebody who is an expert in their field, who has their more than 10,000 hours of practice and study, right? You chose somebody who worked and worked and worked and then kind of stumbled into fame. And the reason why she could stumble into it in her field is because she was already an expert, right? So I want to just name that because what you're in your particular example, and maybe it's a coincidence or maybe it was on purpose, but what you're really asking is not, I want to be more important than other people, you know, not I am better than other people, although I'm hearing you say that that is part of what this is about. But you're saying, I want to be an expert and I want to be well-regarded because I'm an expert. There's no way to rush that, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I know I know. it sounds like from your question and from what I see in your chart, that's not great news. But the reality is there's always going to be people who are famous or powerful because they're cute or because they're lucky or because they know how to fake it well. And if that's your goal, hey, no shame to each their damn own. But if you want to be known for making an impact on the world because of your expertise, there's only one way to cultivate expertise. It's with practice and effort and over time. And that doesn't mean it can't be joyous. And it doesn't mean that there can't be spontaneous and amazing things that happen along the road. But power for power's sake is corrupting. IMO expertise for the sake of expertise tends to be really its own reward, which doesn't mean you don't also want extra rewards like money and attention and fame. That's that's fair if that's what you want. But that brings me to this other point of your question, which is 
the part that you put in quotes. What kind of person thinks that they're that much better, smarter, faster, whatever than other people? So do you think Brene Brown is better than other people? Is that, is that what you think? I think this is a really important question for us all to ask ourselves. When we look up to someone in their work in particular, do we think that because they are an expert in something, because they are competent or healthy or cute or talented in something, that they're better than someone who isn't competent or healthy or talented or cute at that same thing? Because that's not true. <laughs> Being better at something doesn't make you better overall. So all this said, let's go to your chart, okay? Because you've got Pluto in the first house. It's hugging the second house cusp, but it's in the first house. And that Pluto in the first house tends to want to be a pretty big deal. On top of it, you've got a Saturn square to the moon and to Pluto. And this configuration can be incredibly ambitious, but it does tend to struggle with the very things you're naming in your question, feeling like king shit of the turd pile or the turd at the bottom of the pile. Basically, it can make you feel like you're better than everyone or you're worse than everyone, both of which are highly unlikely to be true, you know. The Saturn square to the moon tends to see things very hierarchically. The Saturn square to Pluto tends to give you a driving and sometimes perspective obliterating ambition to prove yourself to yourself, to make an impact, to be somebody, to be something. And then there's something else that's really important for me to name, which is you have Mars conjunct your south node and opposite your north node. So I want to just preface this by saying in astrology, the north node, the south node, aka the nodes, are not planets. So we don't want to treat them like planets. And a lot of times I get questions from listeners asking about the North Node and thinking about it like a planet. It's not a planet. It's a point of karma. It's a point of spiritual evolution. And so when we have a planet, in your case, Mars, sitting on top of or uh, the South Node or opposing the North Node, we want to remember that we're not dealing with two planetary energies. We're dealing with one planet and one point. And it's a subtle difference, but it's a very meaningful difference because Mars is your personality point and the nodes are your soul. These are different things. And so the way it goes is that our south node is, from my interpretation and how I hold it, and different astrologers will, of course, do this differently. But the south node is what we've all done before. So that wherever your south node is in your birth chart, it's what you've done on a spiritual level in previous lives. So you have to buy into the concept of previous lives to roll with this, but here it is. Wherever we have our south node in the birth chart, and certainly whenever we have planets forming a nice tight aspect to that node, we have a memory that we've come into this life with of when I do this thing, it works. It's good for me. However, we're not really meant to do the thing on our south node. We're not meant to uh, build that skill because we've already built it. Now we're meant to build the skill of the North Node. We're meant to journey towards the North Node, right? Think of it as your North Star. The South Node in your birth chart is conjunct Mars. Mars is ambition and, you know, power accumulation and proving yourself. So this doesn't mean you're not supposed to want to prove yourself or you're not supposed to be ambitious or any of those things, but it does describe why. There's something a bit polluted in the water of this topic for you because you've done this before. 
You've done this before. You have proven yourself before. You have been ambitious simply for the accumulation of power and for the proof of it all. You know, the kind of more negative side of Mars. The negative side of Mars is dominion. It's power over things. It's dominion over things instead of the accomplishment of something that has meaning and value, right? But in this lifetime, you've got this beautiful North Node in Sagittarius in the third house. So finding a way to communicate a truth and to be an advocate or an educator, because those are things that you believe in, and not because you want to prove yourself or get some sort of accolades or power from it, that's what you've come here to do. It's to have enough confidence in yourself that you don't need external validation to make it more true for you or to validate yourself. And that doesn't mean you can't or won't be something important in life. But again, we have to return to how are you defining importance? You know, when you think about the people who've been the most important to your life, are they public figures? Or are they people who've been kind to you? People who've supported you? There's so many ways to be a big deal. There's so many ways to be important. And not all of them have to happen in public. Not all of them have to happen with thousands of people watching or hundreds of people watching or dozens of people watching. The desire for fame and attention is not new in the human condition. But what is new is the countless social media platforms that we have that really force the issue of fame and attention on all of us all the time, right? Unless you really just don't mess with your pocket computer and you're not on social media at all, it's going to be in your head more than it would have been for any other generation, right? And so the desire to be important, to be a big deal, organically and easily translates to this topic of, of being a Brene Brown, who has, you know, millions of people who know her name and who have been touched by her ideas and her work. That is just remarkable. But it's not the only way to be remarkable. It's not the only way to make an impact or to be a big deal. And unfortunately, if your work is in the realm of social work, activism, advocacy, education, spirituality, if it's anywhere in those realms, and your driving priority is fame and attention and followers and validation, it's going to fuck with the quality of your work. It's going to fuck with the spiritual integrity behind the work. And that doesn't mean you or anyone else who has that impulse should feel bad about yourself. Not at all. Feel all the feelings. Feel all the feelings. But choose your motivations with intention. Give yourself space and permission to feel whatever you feel. But at the end of the day, make decisions that align with your integrity and your values. That's the way to go. There's no magic bullet for this. I say, let yourself have the desire to be big. And also, don't let that be the thing that you organize your life from. Don't define being a big deal based on capitalistic colonizing standards. You can do better than that. We can all do better than that. And when you feel like you're low-key megalomaniac or feeling like you're kind of being an asshole on a day, that's okay. You know, catch it and redirect instead of beating yourself up about it or doubling down on it. You've got this. Compassion in Oakland was formed in response to the surge of anti-Asian attacks in California's Bay Area. 
It started with a simple social media post offering to chaperone anyone within Oakland's Chinatown neighborhood to help them feel safer. Since then, over 400 volunteers of all different backgrounds have come forward from across the Bay Area to stand against AAPI hate. Thus was born the movement for the community to come together to support and protect our Asian elders. Compassion in Oakland is now looking for volunteers to serve in several different roles. Check out their website to donate, learn more about volunteering, or start a compassion project in your own area. Go to CompassionInOakland.org, link in show notes. Let's get astrological, my sweet, sweet loves. This week, we're looking at the astrology of July 18th through the 24th of 2021. Before I get into the details of the horoscope, I want to take a moment to pull back and acknowledge that the weekly horoscopes that I love to give and that are really common, you know, to consume if you're an astrology consumer, they are really useful for navigating daily life and for understanding patterns and all this kind of good stuff. But we don't want to lose sight of the fact that from hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, you get the picture. All things are connected and interconnected, that things build upon themselves and each other right? So when I'm reporting the day-to-day transits, I want to encourage you to remember that whatever it was that I reported a month ago or three months ago is still really relevant for all of us, for you, for me, for all of us. In other words, it's important to remember the interconnectedness of our lived experience, both as individuals and as society. And my take on the astrology of July ever since I first looked upon it, uh, is that this is a time of healing crisis. And it's not just because of one transit that's occurring. It's the accumulative impact of it all. And so if you are experiencing a healing crisis, a crisis in consciousness, a crisis in coping, you know, if you are having some sort of crisis right now, I want to acknowledge that it's not just right now. It's all the things building up And it's not just you. It's also what's happening in the collective, in the morphic field. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of energy mounting. The impact that it's likely to have on human people psychologically and emotionally and therefore behaviorally is massive. We want to remember that Saturn is transiting through the sign of Aquarius. And whenever this happens in human history, we tend to see people coming together and demanding greater accountability from governing structures. When Saturn moves through Aquarius, we see revolution and we see people hitting the streets and we see people coming together for humanitarian causes. And there are so many to be concerned with. There are so many crises happening in the environment. There are so many crises happening in most every country right now, most every country right now. It's a lot. Whether it impacts you directly or indirectly, it's all still happening on this shared home we we have, right? This damn earth. COVID cases here in the U.S. are really climbing. And even death tolls are, are climbing from COVID. As much as it's exhausting to still be in a pandemic, we're still in a pandemic. As much as it might be exhausting for many people to think about climate change, just look around, my loves. 
We are just getting started here. Burnout fatigue is real. Outrage fatigue is real. Exhaustion from having to wear masks or be careful about an airborne virus. I mean, that, that's very real. And also the need to consider the reality of these things and to collaborate with that reality is also real, you know? So wherever you find yourself in your spiritual life, in your personal life, in your position in the world, I want to encourage you to cultivate acceptance because we know that acceptance is not consent, right? Acceptance is not signing off on a thing. Acceptance is simply awareness. As much as possible, we want to cultivate the awareness that acceptance provides so that we can start from where we're at and make the best possible choices to move forward. And it's really hard to do that without the foundation of acceptance and awareness. So anyways, we are going to get a little more uh, granularly astrological, looking at the 18th through the 24th of July 2021. And I want to again invite you, if you are an astrology student or a professional astrologer, uh, to subscribe to my web-based app, Astrology for Days, over at astrologyfordays.com. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. On the 18th, we are still going to be feeling the effects and impact of the sun opposition to Pluto that was exact on the 17th. So that was from the last week's horoscope on the last day. If you are feeling intense, if you are embroiled in some drama or power struggles, then yeah, you're pretty much on time. Sun opposition to Pluto, I will just reiterate, brings up compulsive, intense feelings. So that can look any number of ways inside of you or in your life or, you know, how the energy with which people come at you. And so, you know, if you don't like the game, honey, you don't have to play. It's important to remember, right? And that is hard to remember if you don't have the foundation of acceptance. Somebody may bring something to you or something may emerge in your life that feels like you have to respond to it. And it does behoove you and me and all of us to be able to just pause and say, okay, so I believe that I need to respond to this. Do I? Do I need to respond to this? Do I need to respond in a specific way? There's what I feel. There's what I want. And then there's what I need. What is it that you need? And are you centering actions that prioritize your needs? Or are you centering actions that prioritize what you want? And what you want may be vengeance, maybe to prove yourself. But what you need may be peace, maybe to not process with someone you don't trust. You see where I'm going with that? I feel like you do. So that's just a fun little a little touch in on what we're going to be experiencing on the 18th, but it's not over there because we're going to be experiencing a crossover on that date and before from Mercury squaring Chiron. So that's exact on the 19th of July, Mercury square to Chiron. Mercury square to Chiron is likely to find you in a position where you feel like you have to put a lot of effort into figuring something out or coping with something. And whenever we're dealing with Mercury, it's communications, right? It's saying what needs to be said. It's listening to what other people are saying. It's friends, it's siblings, it's even your aunts and uncles. Mercury can represent casual acquaintances or meaningful friendships. But when it forms a square to Chiron, again, there's some sort of need to confront something that is painful, something that is difficult, but not necessarily bad. 
And I think that this transit, and in particular, this transit, you know, kind of overlapping with the Sun-Pluto opposition, is an opportunity for us to consider, for you to consider, is something that feels bad, bad? You know, is something that's hard, bad? Can you be present for the potential for healing, for growth, even in things that are difficult and a struggle? Because when we can, when we can rise to the occasion, to whatever degree, in whatever way that means, then we achieve some measure of healing. And healing, it's not like a one and done thing. Sorry, it's not. It's something that happens cyclically and that builds upon itself. And so don't seek miracles, my loves. Don't seek miracles this week. Instead, seek small amounts of progress in whatever little corner you're, you're experiencing it in or you have the potential to experience it in. And believe it or not, the shittiest, most annoying or difficult parts of your life are the places where you want to look to for your capacity for the greatest amount of growth and progress. So on the 20th, we have another transit from Mercury. This one is a sextile to Uranus. This is a lovely transit as it promotes innovation and problem solving and connection. We really want to see this overlapping with the Mercury square to Chiron. We for sure want to see that because it facilitates making the connections that uh, Mercury square to Chiron kind of really struggles to make. So there's some support there. Mercury sextile to Uranus can be a great time for connecting with friends, reaching out to people, having a little synergy in your thinking. So if you're in the market for synergy, congratulations on the 20th Mercury sextile to Uranus. It's exact. And uh, if it's hitting your chart particularly, you're going to notice it. It's going to be lovely. Now, quick little pro tip. This transit is better for innovating or seeing things from a new perspective or having some sort of new insight into things as opposed to like straight up organizing and editing. So if you have to do some pruning in your life, this transit could be helpful, but it's not inherently about that. So, you know, if there's parts of your life that need some fresh perspective, this is the transit for you. On the 21st, Venus moves into Virgo, uh, which is actually something we talked about on the podcast last week. Uh, Venus and Virgo, a huge fan of that natal placement and the transit. Totally lovely. Venus in Virgo is a great time to pursue acts of service and care, material ways of showing people that you're there for them, that you care about them. And when I say people, I don't mean to be too obvious here, but your people too, you know, so you can show yourself that you care about yourself by doing things for yourself that actually are not just enjoyable, but also healthy, promoting of wellness. So that's nice. I'm not going to say too much more about that. But I will say on the 22nd, we have an exact Venus opposition to Jupiter. Jupiter's in its final moments of being in Pisces. It retrogrades back into Aquarius uh, next week. So we're in the final moments of Jupiter and Pisces, and Venus is opposite Jupiter. This can be a really fun transit. Venus opposite Jupiter can be really expansive. It can be a time where you're a little bit more brave, a little bit more bold and willing to, I don't know, flirt with people, hang out with people, talk to people, connect with people. This can be a time where if you're an artist or a creator, you just feel like creating for the sake of creating and you're not too structured with your process, but instead are playful. This can be a great time to be playful and creative. And if you're not an artisty type, 
that's cool. This may be a time where you just get excited with clothes or the way you look or again, flirting, hooking up, getting caught up, having your breath taken away because you experienced something beautiful that someone or something created. The only downside that is associated with Venus opposition to Jupiter is you may uh, spend money you really shouldn't be spending. You may consume out of gluttony as opposed to satiety and pleasure, uh, which can have negative impacts. Sometimes that's super fun and great. And sometimes it kind of screws you. It's at your discretion, of course. Venus opposition to Jupiter is a little bit of a like, let's jump in the pool before we check to see if there's any water in it first kind of transit. So you may take risks romantically, socially, or financially that aren't super smart or well-considered. The way to work around that, the way to work with that is to simply pause and consider before you act. You know, no big deal. Uh, it's a lovely transit. I hope you get to enjoy it. Now, on the 23rd, we have a full moon. It is exact at 7.37 p.m. Pacific time, so adjust for your own time zone. And that's, of course, on July 23rd. And it is a full moon in Aquarius. So the moon will be at one degree of Aquarius and the sun will be at one degree of Leo. Full moons always occur when the sun and moon are opposite each other, not just by sign, but by exact degree. Oppositions between the sun, which is identity, and the moon, which is feeling, tend to be really meaningful for us on a really personal level, which is why full moons tend to be felt really intensely by people. You know, full moons and Mercury retrogrades are the two things that it seems the most people really resonate with because they're so evidential, right? Like everybody tends to experience them. Maybe not every Mercury retrograde or every full moon will be experienced the same way, but we all tend to get emo. Things tend to get more intense during a full moon. Now, something to note about this Aquarius full moon is that we're going to have another one. Uh, and usually there's only one full moon per sign per year. But on August 22nd, we're going to have a second full moon in Aquarius. So whatever it is that comes up within us and in the world around this full moon, we can expect some sort of uh, reiteration of in the next one on August 22nd. So what I want you to kind of take away from that is whatever it is that emerges, you have space and time to work on it. And you're not meant to have perfect resolution at this moment with this full moon. And, you know, that might be annoying if you don't like what you're dealing with. But I personally would like to suggest that it is actually really lovely to know that we're meant to have a little bit more space here. And that indicates that the level of emotionality may be quite high, hopefully dispelling some of those rumors that the moon in Aquarius is robotic. Because while natally, I understand why that stereotype exists, really, there's a lot I could say about it natally. But to stay on target here, when we're experiencing the moon transiting through the sign of Aquarius, when we're experiencing an Aquarian full moon, we are experiencing our connection to the collective. You know, we are experiencing not just our own feelings, but how we are interconnected. And that's really beautiful. And also, some people are really good at impersonal love, collective connection, and others are much more comfortable with personal love and personal connection. So depending on your nature, this may be more or less comfortable for you. But finding your role in your community, whether it's your immediate community or the community at large. This is part of any full moon in Aquarius. 
And just to clarify, full moons are about closure. They're an end of a cycle. They're not the beginning of a cycle. And so what we are likely to feel into is something that needs to change or something that has already changed, right? So that's just the thing with a full moon. What's a girl to do? It is what it is. Now, as I look at this full moon chart, I want to acknowledge a couple of really important details. Because the moon is at 1 degree 26 of Aquarius and Pluto is at 25 degrees of Capricorn and 24 minutes, we've got a conjunction, my friends. It's an out of sign conjunction, but a conjunction nonetheless. So that means that feelings are likely to be very fucking intense. Pluto is the intensifier of the zodiac. When Pluto sits on top of a planet, any planet, it deepens a drive to get to the bottom of things, to either heal or destroy. It creates a compulsive, dynamic, passionate, and pretty relentless vibe. And when we apply those energies to something as tender and personal as the moon, you can find yourself in a landmine of triggers, you know, just a landmine of triggers, feeling triggered by fucking everything and taking it really personally because, again, the sun is opposite it. Not just that, but Mercury is in Cancer opposite Pluto. It is far enough from the moon and from the sun that I would not say at all that it is conjunct the sun or opposite the moon. It's not, but it is opposite Pluto, which will intensify the compulsiveness of our thinking and also our willingness or need to get to the bottom of things, to figure shit out. So here's the, here's the thing. Seeking the truth without empathy, without some measure of gentleness for how it makes you feel this full moon, it's likely to create more harm than good. And so you may find yourself having to have a conversation or a confrontation with someone. And if you do, it's likely to be uncomfortable. It's likely to be intense. You want to remember to listen to other people, listen to what they're saying, listen to how they're saying it. It's all information. You know, this is a great time to gather data. You don't have the greatest perspective for making sense of the data, but it's a great time for gathering the data. Understand that whatever you say and however you say it is also data. How you feel about who you are and who you actually choose to be out loud around and with others, there may be a gap between those two things. This is a great time to bridge that gap with your awareness. The potential for interpersonal drama here, it's not going to lie, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. You can't control that. There's no value in worrying about it. What you can do is sit with your own emotions Notice your own patterns of how you behave, what you do, how you participate, and take pains to minimize the harmful components of that, whether it's self-harm or harm to others. It's really important that you listen. It's really important that you listen to what other people share is their experience of you. It's important that you listen to yourself. It's important that you listen. And the longer I'm an astrologer, the more I come to be convicted that as astrologers and astrology nerds, we have a tendency to focus too much on Mercury being about verbal communication and writing. And we do not place enough emphasis on Mercury being the planet that governs our listening capacity and how we process and organize data in our own thinking and how that then informs our attitudes. But that's a huge part of this. It's a huge part of Mercury in general, and it's certainly a huge part of this full moon chart. 
So these are things for you to consider and to play with, right? And you may be in situations that are happening so fast that you can't, and that's fine. You can always reflect back when you have the space and energy to do so. This full moon is going to be intense. It is likely to require you to let go of something. Sometimes when you're focused on something harmful or painful or destructive, your best move is to drop it and to then focus your obsessive thoughts and attention on something neutral. If you can't focus on something healing or positive, go to neutral, something that doesn't create or generate harm, right? That That's a success. Let's celebrate little successes. Let's celebrate small progress. I can't stress that enough. When I, when I look at the big picture of astrology of the last many months, and when I look at the astrology of July and then I bring it into this full moon. I got to say, little successes are a big deal. So celebrate them. Embrace them. Small progress is progress. Embrace that shit. Celebrate it. Now, of course, we have the Saturn square to Uranus still active here. So reality, what is reality? Dependability, can't trust anything. <laughs> what do you know is real? What do I know is real? Nobody knows. Saturn square Uranus. And does it create mental tension, psychological tension? Yes. Does that leak through our behaviors? Absolutely. Is life easy? No, it's not. There's only two more points in this chart of the full moon that I want to just touch on here. Venus and Mars are also out of sign conjunct and they're opposite to Jupiter. So again, it is a reiteration of this full moon being all about relationships. It is all about relationships. So again, this can be your relationship to something that is within you and it can be your relationship to other people or to community, right? But how you fit in how you embrace yourself, how you embrace others, how you allow others in, how you reach out or extend yourself to others. All of this is up. Something else that's happening is Mercury is trying to Neptune. It's a beautiful water trine. Last week we saw Mercury move into Cancer and we had a beautiful sun trine to Neptune. And this transit of Mercury trying to Neptune it's really good for empathy. It's really good for creativity and spirituality. Yes. And by the way, this transit is, of course, active in the full moon chart, but it is exact on the 24th. But Mercury trying to Neptune is excellent for empathy, especially because it's in water signs. So if you need greater empathy and kindness for yourself, if you need greater empathy and kindness for others, hey, thank you, Neptune, Mercury trying. Beautiful transit for that. Another thing that this transit offers is a kind of greater ease for using the tools in our spiritual toolkit. So it's, you know, very tempting to be data collectors where we just like collect lots of resources and tools and ideas, but we don't necessarily actually remember to use them when we need them. This transit supports us in remembering to use the tools and resources we have available to us. So do it if you can. Connect to something greater than yourself and let it infuse you with resiliency and empathy and care for yourself, for the planet, and for those around you. Now, to reiterate the transits, let me run through them. On the 19th, we have an exact square from Mercury to Chiron. On the 20th, we have an exact sextile from Mercury to Uranus. On the 21st, Venus moves into Virgo. On the 22nd, Venus is opposite Jupiter. 
On the 23rd, we have a full moon in Aquarius, the first of two this summer, and it is exact at 7.37 p.m. Pacific time. On the 24th, Mercury forms a trine to Neptune. That's your fucking horoscope, my loves. I hope you're taking good care of yourself and those around you, and that you can find meaning in your struggles. As always, if you get value from this podcast, please do uh, subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts because it really it does make a difference for independent podcasts like this one. And of course, if you want to learn with me, join me over on Patreon where I drop videos and videos and videos. Do I use a multitude of filters to entertain and charm you? Yes, I fucking do. I drop content teaching energy boundaries, talking about daily transits, teaching astrology. You know, I I like to get in there. I like to get in there. It's a lovely community vibe. So join me over there and I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye.